This is episode 154 with plant-based ultramarathoner, mom, and strength running's own content specialist, Ms. Anya Mullen. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm Jason Fitzgerald, host of the podcast and head coach of Strength Running. If you're listening, that means you're a runner who wants to improve. And that is our goal here, to give you the training ideas, strategies, and resources to accomplish whatever big goal that you might have, from running your first 5K to qualifying for the Boston Marathon, maybe preventing your next injury, or mastering your mindset. I'll be bringing you the titans in the fitness world, the pro coaches, performance experts, elite runners, sports psychologists, thought leaders, physical therapists, and strength coaches to give you new insights into this incredible sport. I want you to better understand running, to view knowledge as a competitive advantage, and to always have the tools to take your running to the next level. Because the more you understand the sport, the better decisions you'll make about your training. Don't miss our other 153 episodes, our video channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning, or where it all began, strengthrunning.com, where you can find our coaching services, detailed guides on everything from building mental skills to running for beginners to nutrition and fueling for endurance runners. I also want to thank our sponsor, Path Projects. If you haven't heard of Path, you'll want to check them out. They make affordable, high-tech, super durable running gear that I'm wearing myself more and more. Many of their items are award-winning, and if you run into me over the weekend, it's likely all I'm wearing. The shorts are performance-oriented and durable, the t-shirts are soft and flexible, and the base liners are super comfortable. You can see all of their running gear at pathprojects.com. Now, let's begin our show today with my guest, Anya Mullen. Anya is not a pro runner, she's not a PT or a coach, but she is a regular runner just like you and me. And she also has been working for Strength Running for the better part of a year now, helping me refine some of the content that you see on our various channels. We first met back in 2015 at a group run and started working together earlier this year. She lives here in Colorado and has been juggling running with her work, family, and home life. And that's a big part of what we're talking about today, just how we fit it all in, plus reflections on whether or not you're a quote-unquote real runner. We also talk about goals and how they evolve over your running career, especially after you have a family. This episode is a little more personal and explores some of the issues that prevent us from training as much as we'd like. I hope you're left with a few ideas on how to fit your running into your schedule, plus affirmation that yes, you are a real runner. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Anya Mullen. Hey, Anya, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. Uh, I want to be upfront. We have been working together for months now, and you've really been a lifesaver at Strength Running. I hired you recently to help me with content and a bunch of other little projects here and there, and, and you've been just so incredible with helping me stay productive and on track with everything that I'm doing. But uh, when did we actually meet? We met a long time ago. I think it was at a no meet athlete group run and then a little mini party afterwards. We ate a bunch of food. That was, how long ago was that? Oh, it must have been six or seven years ago. Does that sound right? 
Maybe, maybe. Actually, it might have been 2015 because I feel oh, wow. like Matt Frazier was in town for a conference that we both went to. Um, and that's why he was able to attend the meetup. And and he, he right. brought me along with him. And there we were over a run. We we're at Wash Park in Denver. It was beautiful. It was. I, I do remember that really well. It was such a great group event. Well, that was the first time we met. And uh, you reached out to me. I think it was at some point in 2019 and you were saying how you wanted to do a little bit more work in the fitness and running space. And here we are. I thought it would be really great to bring you on the podcast and first of all, introduce you to the strength running audience. Uh, Anya is just fantastic. She's been working with me, like I mentioned. Um, But you're also, you're a runner, you're a mom. And I wanted to do a podcast episode because you suggested it on kind of being a a real runner, you know, just a runner out in the world, a recreational runner, an adult who's not being paid to run, but someone who's just in love with the sport and they're making time for it. They're trying to juggle their big running goals with their, you know, their family, their professional obligations, and just everything else that's going on in their life. And you know, while I talk to a lot of different people on the podcast, I do a lot of different coaching calls where we're talking about a runner's training and their goals and how to make that, uh, those goals happen. But at the same time, I don't really talk to a recreational runner about how they fit it all in and how running has evolved over the course of their lives to kind of match the moment in time that they find themselves living in. So here we are. Let's do this on you. Excited? Thanks. I am. I'm glad you uh, liked that proposal. And I'm uh, excited to offer the perspective of a recreational runner who's definitely not winning any races anytime soon. Yeah. And um, now you are you are also in Colorado. I wish we could have been recording this in person, but alas, our schedules and the state of public health is not allowing us to. Um, But I thought maybe we could start with just talking about who you are, when you got started running, you know, maybe why you started running and uh, we can go from there. Sure. So I started running about 10 years ago and that was part of my triathlon training. I wasn't really much of an athlete in high school or college, but I decided to do my first triathlon race. And I was actually brand new to all three sports, uh, the biking, the swimming, the running. And running actually came the hardest to me. I really couldn't go longer than a few minutes without stopping. And I thought that my triathlon aspirations were really limited by my running ability. And the big turning point for me came when I went to a finish line. It was actually in Denver to support a friend who was running a marathon. And at the same time that marathoners were coming across the finish, some of the last half marathon runners were also finishing. And I could tell by the expressions on their faces that they overcame so much to be there and just seeing their pure joy made me cry and inspired me so much. And that was really the point when I decided that I would train for a half marathon. And, you know, if they could do it, I thought that I could too. So that's when my running career kind of started. 
I love it. And you're so right. That is such an emotional time for any runner, really, to be crossing the finish line, because in a lot of ways, it represents this just incredible uh, culmination of work and preparation that they have put towards a race. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're seeing one of the last half marathoners or one of the first marathoners come to finish you know, you're kind of witnessing this full display of human emotion that I think is so riveting. And that is just so, uh, uh, I'm almost speechless thinking about it because it's one of my favorite spots in the world. You know, the finish line of a major race where you are just seeing the joy, the hopes, the dreams of people's of people come alive at the finish line. And uh, it's certainly a, a different way that I got started with running. I, I was almost tricked into running. I thought I could high jump on the cross country team. <laughs> and then and then I realized, oh, my God, all they do is run all day. But uh, <laughs> th- thankfully, I stuck with it. <laughs> oh, good. I, I'm a little bit bummed I didn't have an earlier running career because I think that um, having some sort of team spirit around it would have really helped me even right now when I question being a real runner and what that really means. Um, I, I think that if I had a team earlier on in life, I would have that identity solidified a little bit more. Well, I think I've mentioned this on a separate episode, but I really feel in hindsight that anybody who starts on a team whether that's track, whether that's cross country, really does have an advantage because they're introduced to formal running, formal training, a lot of the different terms, uh, the vocabulary of running, the different types of workouts. And it's just such an incredible motivator to keep going because, you know, of course, just like anybody, my first year of running, you know, I wasn't obsessed with it from the start. And having a team really did allow me to uh, stick with the sport and, and really almost ignore the parts of the sport that are really hard, that are challenging, that are mentally difficult, so that I was just, hey, I'm just going to go have fun with my friends at practice every day. And then, you know, the running was almost like a side thing. And over time, you know, the running, the running became the primary activity. And I just fell in love with it. But uh, no matter you're still you're you're still running today, no matter that you didn't start on a team. And, and that's, that's fine, as long as you keep at it. Um, so you started as a triathlete. And by the way, I can't believe you started uh, training for a triathlon with no experience in any of the disciplines. Uh, that is very impressive. Um, and, and at what point were you thinking to yourself, you know, was it that half marathon or was it a different point where you were like, you know, cycling and swimming are fun, but I really want to focus on the running side of things? Well, I actually, I ended up running exclusively for a couple of reasons. I was living in Seattle um, and I was studying for my professional engineer exam. If you know about that, it's a pretty intensive exam that people take sometimes months or years even to study for. And I was um, I was trying to compete in triathlons, but my time was super limited and getting out on a bike in a new city and finding a master swim team posed a bit more of a challenge. So swimming was the only thing I could really do. And that was the break I allowed myself between working and studying. The only time I could get up and do something else was if I uh, went for a run. And, um, you know, after a few days or maybe weeks, I found that I was running every single day and going longer and longer. And it was probably my 
backwards strategy of avoiding studying at home. But it was the first time in my life that I really wanted to run. And so for the half marathon, I felt like I was forcing myself into it just to kind of hammer it home that I could do this. But this was two years later, I was living alone. And I really started loving running everything about it. I was researching gear and fueling different training strategies. And that's when I came across your website, actually, I think it was in uh, looking for a plan for a marathon that I finally decided to sign up for. And yeah, when running occupied so much of my mental space, that's when I decided that I was a real runner. And I don't think I've done a triathlon since. Running really took off for me. And I loved how portable it is in a way that no matter where I was living or traveling or what I was doing, it was just the simplest thing that I could do anywhere and anytime. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I love running so much. You know, you just bring a pair of shoes and a couple pieces of clothing and you're good to go. You can run almost anywhere and everywhere. Um, now, you've only been running kind of what I'll say as, as, a, as, a, as a runner since that triathlon for, you know, less than a decade, I think. Um, so in that time period, can you give us a snapshot of some of the things that you've done, races that you've run, you know, kind of where, where is running taking you? Sure. So I started, yes, that half marathon afterwards, I think I did a fun 5k with some friends and a 10k also. Um, I have done Another marathon, which was actually this year, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later, because as everybody probably knows, there were no races to be had this year. Um, and uh, about, when was it? Maybe five years ago, I switched to predominantly trail running. And I had had three knee surgeries at that point. Um, all of them were skiing injuries. But running on roads uh, was really uncomfortable. I think I'm missing a good chunk of cartilage. And so it causes a lot of pain. So I wanted to try out trails. And at that point, I had already read a bunch of books by ultra runners like Rich Roll and Scott Jurek. And it really captivated me, this different experience of running trails and going really, really long distances and I also love that you could kind of walk and eat real food during ultras. So that was kind of the push towards trail running to save my knees and to eat pad thai during a race. Um, and so I have done, I've done a 50 miler unofficially and a 50K ultra in Mendocino. Yeah. And then, so that 50 mile race and, and also a marathon distance, I know that you did those two on your own. It wasn't a formal race. It wasn't an official race. How did you decide on doing those? Cause that's not exactly the, you know, the, the average person's idea of a good time going to run a 50 mile distance by themselves, you know, on a random weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you sign up for a race, a lot of it is for the support that you get along the way, all those aid stations, the energy, the enthusiasm, the high fives. So missing that for my first ultra <laughs> was uh, a bummer. Um, but when I was training for that 50 miler, um, I was working uh, and traveling a lot, mostly to Asia. 
And so a lot of my long training runs, just kind of as I looked at the plan, it was a 16-week plan. A lot of them landed um, on weekends where I would be in massive polluted (laughs) cities in China. And I really didn't think there was any way I was going to run, you know, 30 miles in Beijing. And um, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, was training with me also. And he suggested randomly that instead of our next long run being the 25 mile run or whatever it was that we had planned, let's just do 50 and call it good. (laughs) Um, And it was a crazy idea. I went for it. I think we uh, called it recovery for the next four days. So we stopped running. And uh, with the help of my stepdad who came out to bring us cold watermelon and a friend who came out for the last 10 miles, um, we ran this elaborate kind of um, figure eight loop around Boulder Reservoir. And it was really painful, as you can imagine, uh, without the proper training. I think we were about six weeks short of the race. So it, it made it really, really hard. I think I walked the last 10 miles. That's why I had to phone a friend and have her come out um, to help uh, with moral support. But we did it. And for me, the big thing was that um, I had this major goal set out. I was doing it for nobody but myself. And I really didn't want to throw in the towel and say, well, it's really inconvenient in my life right now. So I'm going to quit training and just try again later. So um, that's why I was pretty committed for that ultra. And the marathon was going to be this year in the spring, of course, got canceled along with every other race pretty much. Um, And you know, I was training for that. You helped me with the plan, which I really appreciate. And it was a lot of the same thing. I had this goal set out. I worked really hard to train. Um, now being a mom, there were a lot of things I had to push around to make the long runs work, to um, just kind of do this for myself. And I didn't want to one day just quit. And running long distances without a goal race in mind is really challenging for me. So that's why I decided um, when it was announced that the Paris Marathon was going to be canceled or postponed, I guess, uh, I decided to just do a local uh, course here. And my husband and a friend also came out to support, which was wonderful. I was, I'm really glad in retrospect that I did both of those unofficial races. So Anya, when your boyfriend suggested that you run 50 miles instead of this 28 mile training run. Is that when you knew this boyfriend was going to be your husband? Cause I'm surprised you weren't like, okay, that's it. We're done. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good question. I think I knew because he, he started running with me randomly. He knew to show me kind of some local trails. I was new to Boulder And when I told him, well, you know, I have to go really long. It's going to be four hours. He's like, okay. And he would just kind of, I don't know if tagging along is right because he was usually ahead of me planning the course and everything, but he just kind of went with it. And we had some amazing adventures. We would run different segments of the Colorado trail um, in chunks on different weekends. And we were training through the summer. I'm really not great with heat running in the heat. So we would start in the evening, run for however many hours. It was kind of ridiculous. And then just camp somewhere. 
And um, I, I think, you know, one one thing that running really gave to my life was that bond that we created early on over running and training for this race that he never signed up for and never particularly wanted to do, but we were on this adventure together. <laughs> well, that he certainly sounds like husband material. And you know, that that just really resonates with me because that is exactly my story of me marrying the girl I met from running. You know, my wife and I met when we were in college. She was on the women's cross country team. I was on the men's cross country team. And the teams were small enough that we shared a bus going to meets. And this was true in track, indoor and outdoor as well. And there's a certain camaraderie that you get from hanging around after a race, talking about how it went, joking about how poorly it went. If you had a bad race, everyone's just sitting around. Nobody smells really good. And, you know, there's there's just that great experience of hanging out with runners, talking about running. And there's a real connection that's made there. And so the fact that you you know, marry the guy that was so supportive of your running and that made all those sacrifices for you certainly makes a lot of sense to me uh, as someone who, you know, this is a running house where I, <laughs> the house I'm in right now. And uh, my wife and I are certainly very supportive of each other's, you know, running goals and other athletic goals. Um, and, you know, the other thing too, is that a lot of this changes over time, you know, your goals, you know, the way that you approach running and, you know, you've talked about being a runner when you were just getting started living in an apartment by yourself. Then you were talking about being with your boyfriend training for this big goal. Now, you know, you guys are starting a family and, uh, so many other different things are going on. And I'm just curious how your running has changed since getting married, since starting a family, and since some of those early days when you first started? Yeah, so I, I think for me, running initially was more of just the workout in itself. It uh, seemed like a good idea for weight loss. And uh, if you can go longer, maybe you can eat more afterwards. I didn't have a really great perspective about it initially. Um, I think later when I realized that I could actually run longer than a few minutes, that I wasn't forcing myself into it, that it really brought a lot of joy to me. Um, that's when all those challenges really got exciting. Um, and I'm not a particularly fast runner. So pushing my pace was never my goal, but uh, pushing distance was somewhere that I felt like I excelled and it kept my interest. And um, really motivated me. So for a few years, that's what it was all about was going from half marathon to full to ultras. And I think now um, it's, it, it varies depending on <laughs> what stage we're in. We don't get to run together very much right now. We have a toddler. So if someone's out running with the dogs, the other parent is home, of course. Um, hopefully that will evolve. And I'm actually, I am curious how, uh, I know you run um, quite a bit. I follow you on Strava and see those runs um, or on social media as well. And uh, I'm curious how and if your wife still runs and how she manages that. Um, but for me right now, what really excites me about running is kind of seeing the world in different places through uh, either booking different races like Paris uh, was supposed to be, 
or just um, getting to explore new cities, uh, running through, I don't know, a vineyard in Italy when we can travel again. Those are the things that really motivate me now is kind of seeing a location from a different perspective um, than I could otherwise. So it, it, it's definitely ever changing. And I think it will continue to as our daughter gets older and maybe can participate in it. But I'm curious, with three kids, uh, how, how do you guys manage to take turns in running? And can you all go out together? Or how does that work? Yeah, well, the interviewer becomes the interviewee. <laughs> Here we go. Um, that is a great question, Anya. And it's certainly a challenge. And my goals with running have definitely evolved over the years. You know, we could rewind a decade ago before I was married, before I had any kids, and I was running 90 miles a week. I was, you know, a, a very competitive sub elite runner. You know, I was a 239 marathoner and I was doing the work that it takes to be that fast, um, you know, running that much, doing the challenging workouts. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with your mindset. You know, it's it's you wake up in the day and your most important thing that you have to get done is your run. And no matter what, it doesn't matter if there is a tropical storm coming in. I've run through a foot of water on the trails, you know, trying to get in my mileage. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, 9-11. I went running on 9-11 when I was wow. a high schooler in Massachusetts. And my mom, I remember, was saying, no, you're going to stay home. And I was like, no, I'm the captain of the team and I need to show up. I need to lead. Uh, and it, now that I'm older, now that I have other things that when I wake up in the morning, other things take priority. You know, my family takes the first priority. Uh, strength running probably takes the second priority. And then my own running is is last in line. Uh, so, you know, certain things happen where I'm just simply not able to run. Um, and right now is a good example of when I'm not able to run some days. Uh, so right now, I'm actually home with my two older daughters um, because they don't start school for another week and a half. And my wife is prepping for the school year. And so, you know, I'm the one with a flexible uh, job. I can work from home. And so I'm kind of doing a little bit of work while I'm watching my two daughters. But, you know, typically I will run during that kind of nine to five work hour uh, time frame. And that flexibility allows me to get in a fair amount of running. And then on the weekends, we will get a little creative, you know, we'll uh, all go to either uh, some cool place in the mountains for a hike. And, you know, I'll do a short run there uh, while the kids get ready and, and start their hike and I'll just meet them. Uh, or my wife will do the same. Uh, we'll also go to a playground or a park or somewhere else where we might want to spend a couple hours on a Saturday morning. And one of us, or often we'll just take turns, we'll go for a short run while the other person is with the children. So there's a, there's a couple different ways of doing it. Um, you know, the last two weeks where I've been home with my kids, I have been uh, going for a run while they ride their bikes with me. And we'll go into a park and, you know, they'll only ride their bikes for maybe about two miles. And then they'll get off, they'll play for a little bit. Uh, they like to climb trees and, and I'll kind of just run around a big field so I can kind of keep an eye on them and watch them, but I can pad that mileage by another one, two, three miles. Uh, and then we'll run home and, you know, I can get in four five, six miles on a day like that. 
But, you know, it's certainly different. You know, right now I'm not running 90 miles a week. I'm not doing the crazy workouts that I was doing, you know, back a decade ago. Uh, I'm not running twice a day like I used to. My long runs are certainly not 22 miles like they used to be. Um, And so I've sort of had to change the way that I set goals for myself. One of my goals is to simply be consistent in my running so that if I do have the opportunity, and I hope to this fall, to ramp up my training, I will be ready for that. I will always have this general foundation of running fitness there for me. So if I want to train for a marathon, hey, my long run's about 10 miles. I'm ready to do that. Or if I want to train for a 5K, then I can do that. You know, I'm doing a relatively easy workout every week. Uh, I'm running strides regularly. So I can transition into the faster stuff really whenever I'd like. And so my goals right now are put myself into a position where I can start training for almost anything I want if I want to. But a lot of it right now is simply consistency, it's general health. Uh, And then to more specifically answer your question, you know, like, what does my wife do? My wife uh, is actually not running very much right now. And and maybe I should have her on the podcast to to talk about that. Um, Since we're going to talk about running, kind of your identity as a runner, you know, she struggled with this a little bit because, you know, she started running in middle school. She was on the middle school track team. She ran cross country and track in high school and then again in college. So much of her identity is wrapped up in being a runner Uh, she's just found that now that she's in her mid thirties, she's, you know, working, she has three kids running makes her incredibly tired. And so, you know, she'll go for a 25 minute run and just be laid out for the rest of the day. And so it's just something that physiologically doesn't mesh with her that well anymore. Uh, and so she's spending a lot of her time climbing, you know, she's a member of a bouldering gym and she goes really early in the morning and just you know, crushes these hard roots that I can't do with my little T-Rex arms. So it's, uh, it's certainly great seeing your wife get stronger than you. I actually, (laughs) I kind of like that, but you know, she's, uh, it's just really great seeing her attack a new sport discipline, a new type of athletic adventure and just being really good at it. She's been very methodical. She's progressed from being a complete beginner. Uh, I think I went climbing with her, like one of the first times that she ever went and we were both terrible. And now she's just so smooth on the wall. She's methodical about how she gets up the wall and, and what route that she takes. And, and I think that's great. And I, and I think one of the, uh, one of the ways to maintain your athletic identity is to not fixate so strongly on the sport that you do. You know, it, it's, it's kind of sad that she's not running anymore, but at the same time, I just want her to be happy and to do something that she loves. And she's found that and she's turned, you know, the the same drive that she's always had, the same interest in being physically active and just redirected that energy towards a new sport, a new discipline. And, and I think that's great. Yeah, I'm sure the foundation that she learned from running early on that consistency and perseverance and um, slow progressions in the sport are really paying off for her now. Uh, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that she's getting time to do something physical and um, pursue that, even though even if it's not running. Yeah, and and she's she's okay with it, and I think that's the most important thing. You have to kind of come to terms with where you are in life, what you're capable of, and where your interests lie, and be comfortable with that. 
Um, now, Anya, how has your running changed since starting a family and becoming a mom? Uh, I, I know that even this year, you ran an unsupported, unofficial marathon. So even with a toddler, it sounds like you're running still a, a, a fair amount. Yes, uh, everything, pretty much everything changed um, once we had our daughter. And I, with with running, I took a good amount of time off uh, between pregnancy and just everything uh, with a newborn um, and that recovery. So I had a good probably year, if not longer, off of any intense running. And this marathon was the first uh, goal that I've had as a mom, um, as far as running goes. And I think one of the main things that really changed for me is the flexibility. Uh, whereas before I could, you know, look at my training plan and see that I had a long run on Saturday, but maybe I slept in on Saturday and don't really feel like going. I could push it off till Sunday. And uh, sometimes on Sunday, I don't like the weather and I would squeeze it in on Monday after work or something. Um, I just had all the flexibility in the world, but it also made it um, so that I missed a lot of runs actually, because I could always do them tomorrow in my mind. <laughs> um, and now that that doesn't work anymore. I have a dedicated slot, usually five five thirty in the morning, that I can go running. If I don't go, then it just doesn't happen. Um, but I really love it. Actually, I don't have to wait for motivation anymore. I don't have to rely on the motivation. I'm just dedicated. I know that if I planned on something, I get up and do it. I don't have to make the decision to do it. So. Um, I, I kind of like the way things have evolved because I've become a more um, dedicated person in general to any hobbies or athletic pursuits that I have because I know that there simply isn't a different time that I would get those things done. I have always found that when you can create that dedicated time for your running and you know that if you don't do it then, you don't really have an opportunity to do it, it really does increase adherence to the training. It does really make you, like you said, it almost takes motivation out of the picture. You know, you're not doing it because you're motivated. You're doing it because this is the time to do it and it's on the schedule. You know, it's like if you didn't show up to work and you told your boss, well, I just wasn't really motivated to come to work today. It is just be kind of weird, you know? Um, exactly. and, you know, when I look back on my running, the periods of time where I had the most success, the most, you know, where my training was going really well, when I was running really fast, when I was staying healthy was when I had dedicated times to run. And I used to be very strict with my schedule of waking up at either six or six 15, depending on the distance of the run getting in that run before work. And then I had a lunch hour that I had to take. And I had a one hour lunch hour. There was a subsidized gym membership from the company that I worked for that I had. And the gym was in the same building. And so during lunch, I had to leave. I went and I had a relatively cheap gym membership. And that's when I did all my core work, my strength training. And it was almost like, well, what are you going to do with this hour if you don't go do the, you know, the 30 minute standard core routine, which I did every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, during work, like, what are you going to do? You're going to do nothing. You're going to, you know, walk around the mall. You're going to go for a walk. 
you're going to go into the weight room with the guys you work with, but you're not really going to lift weights. You're just going to like BS around with your buddies. And so for me, it was a way for me to, to really take that time, use it productively and think to myself, well, I'm not going to do anything else with this time. So I might as well do something that's going to really impact the thing that I care most about, which at the time was my running. Um, now, Anya, I did want to talk to you a little bit about your schedule. You know, you mentioned that you have this 5 or 5.30 a.m. slot where you can go running. Is, is that true every day? I was kind of hoping to see like what a typical day would look like for you and and how you kind of fit running into that schedule. Yes, early mornings are pretty typical for me and not because I love waking up at 5 a.m. and I'm energized and ready to go. Not at all. Um, I am a morning person, but my friends always marvel at the fact that I'm up so early. But in reality, it's the only time I get to myself and as much more so now <laughs> with a toddler. So I I know that if I sleep in that day, there was no workout, there is no personal hobby, personal interest pursuits, none of that. Um, so I, I wake up early every single day. I usually start my day with um, either meditating or now I've been journaling quite a bit and I like that a lot. And after that, I do my workout and uh, right now, three days a week, I'm running just maybe 20, 25 minutes, nothing um, too intense. And I lift at home as well, um, maybe five or six, five days a week, I think. Um, and after that, usually my daughter and husband wake up. And so we have um, some time in the morning together. My daughter um, goes to a neighbor's house. Uh, for the day during the week, we have a nanny share with their kids. So we walk her over there. And then both my husband and I work full time. So the day uh, flies by, of course, and then it's time to pick her up again. And then the evening, we just get the couple hours together where we cook dinner, uh, spend a lot of time outside, eat and just hang out. And then it's her bedtime. And sometimes we have an hour, maybe <laughs> to ourselves in the evening. Um, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed by the time she is um, by 8pm or something, but I try to stay up a little bit longer, maybe read a book. And a few, a few days a week, I try to make time for those personal interests. So doing work for strength running that I really enjoy. I also have my own website that I like researching and writing for. And there's just a lot of things I'm very passionate about. So just making the time for myself to read or um, uh, absorb some new information. We don't do, um, we don't do too much Netflix. So it saves a lot of time. We don't have a TV. So there's none of that uh, time that passes. But of course, um, we have, well, I'm on social media and there's quite a bit of time that's wasted. Sometimes uh, it's useful, but um, yeah. So I, I think my days are pretty structured and it helps me to get done the things that I really want to do as well as spend the quality time with family that uh, is also a priority and get my work done. For sure. Now, is this your schedule, uh, a normal schedule or is this your coronavirus normal schedule? 
it's pretty normal. Things are a little bit different. I'm working in engineering right now and working from home. So you remove the commute out of it. Um, there's no gyms right now. Well, for me, I'm choosing not to go. Um, so yeah, aside from those few things, it's a pretty typical schedule for us. But of course, as um, our daughter gets older and starts preschool, things will shift around a bit. But I think there's certain core things such as my morning routine um, that I hope will be able to, that will keep, that I'll be able to keep for a long time. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed about having kids and trying to maintain your running schedule is that, you know, that schedule is going to change substantially. And I feel like I am constantly just being part of a new schedule. You know, I'm always negotiating some schedule with my wife, you know, who gets to work out when, when, you know, when, when does she get to go do things? And when can I, you know, go out to the mountains and maybe do a longer trail run? And, you know, the, the schedule is always evolving and changing, but hopefully, uh, I think if the lines of communication are open and you're really talking about your goals and what you want to do, then you can still make it happen. Now, you know, you mentioned not really liking getting up so early in the morning, but it's the only time that, that you have, uh, does it ever feel cumbersome or kind of like drudgery to you? Uh, and, and I guess I ask because, you know, at this point where, running is is almost more difficult um, than it used to be because of, you know, the inability to get into a gym, the inability to put a goal race on the schedule. Um, you know, for a lot of folks, they don't have childcare. I mean, look at me, I'm going for runs with my kids while they're on their bike, because, you know, there's, there's just nothing for them to do right now. And, uh, you know, what keeps you interested in running so much that you are willing to make these sacrifices to continue that training habit? What, do you, what are you gaining from running um, so that you're still doing it and you're still doing it when it's not so easy to do? Well, you're totally right. Having no goal races for me uh, makes, makes things a lot more difficult with running because if something isn't on a plan, and for me, that's pretty much always an Excel spreadsheet that I print out and I check off every single run. So if I don't have that piece of paper telling me what is on the schedule tomorrow, um, I don't randomly go out for runs usually. Um, what One of the things that keeps me motivated is that we have a border collie who is very active and she needs daily runs. So it's either my husband or I who do that. So we try to trade off. So that makes Monday, Wednesday, Friday <laughs> really easy. We have to go for a run with her. I like to go early because it's still cooler. Um, and even in the winter, I like early mornings uh, just with a headlamp and the proper gear. I really don't mind the cold and the darkness. Um, I try to stay off trails then because we have quite a bit of wildlife out here. Um, but yeah, so a dog, I think, is uh, kind of a silly, but a really consistent motivator to get out. And for me, um, I do have a plan for myself fitness-wise right now. And I slot those um, three times a week, those runs in as part of my plan. So I, I just function best that way when I have something that 
um, I'm working towards. And in all reality, a race is kind of the best and easiest thing that um, right now I can't really use. So I put together a different plan. I'm focused more on muscle um, building right now. And that's limited as well without a gym. But at least I feel like I created some sort of structure for myself to keep going out there. Um, and I, I think your comment about having a really solid foundation so that come fall or winter next year, however long it takes, you can um, kind of pick a goal race and you'll be in a great position to start training for it. And I was actually curious, how do you decide what your next race might be? I mean, between a 5K and a marathon, those are completely, completely different goals. So how do you go about um, picking what sounds interesting? Because to me, it's just, you know, if a friend invited me to go to Paris, I'm going to go. But how, how do you make that decision? Well, I don't have any friends inviting me to go to Paris. That sounds really nice. Um, I wish I did. Uh, that would be a strong motivator for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a great question. And I would have to say that at this point in my running career, with the time that I have available, I'm always looking for things that are interesting or convenient. So a road marathon that starts near my house is convenient, but I am not interested in running a road marathon at this point in my life. So I wouldn't do that. Um, a local 5k that is convenient that I can do, you know, uh, I live near, uh, this major park here in Denver. And so they have a lot of races. If there was a 5k there, then I might run something like that because it's just so convenient. And the race distance itself is not so challenging that just running the race is going to leave me debilitated for a week, you know, cause I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm the kind of runner who, whenever I've run a marathon, I have had days where I just, I can barely walk. Uh, I have trouble sleeping the night of a marathon. It's just this, the recovery for me personally is just so substantial that I really struggle with the marathon distance because of that. Um, and so I, I don't think I would do another marathon unless it was a trail marathon or unless I had one or two years of super consistent training. And I was thinking about getting after, uh, either a personal best or, you know, a, a relatively quicker marathon. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm really big into trail running right now, even though I live in the city of Denver, I try to get out into the mountains whenever I can and go for trail runs. Um, the races that I sign up for will most likely be trail runs you know, even, even though I, I can't get on the trails very frequently, it's just such a more fun experience for me. Um, and, and I know that you've talked a little bit about, you know, your transition to trail running and how it's just so much more fun. And, you know, I'm totally in agreement. I think if I had to run a five mile run on the trails or the roads any day of the week, I would choose the trails just because it's more fun. The scenery is better. Uh, I think you get in a slightly better workout and uh, it does make you into a better runner. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into race selection. And, uh, you know, the easiest thing right now is that you don't have to make any of those tough decisions, because there's really are, you know, there's just no races to choose from right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I think that's where I get stuck a little bit in um, continuing to push my running distance or pace wise, just because, you know, three times a week, 20, 25 minutes, that's 
really, really stable, approachable. It's not terribly challenging for me, but without having something um, on the horizon, I don't think I uh, am tempted to push myself in the running. But we are lucky here. We live right next to a bunch of beautiful trails and lions. And um, I think getting those hill runs and uh, just kind of different um, foot placements along the trail are keeping my fitness um, in place. And so hopefully when I do, when time does come around for a new race, I'll be in a reasonably good position to start training for something and I'll come to you for help once again, figure out how to squeeze in, you know, a 16 week plan into 12 weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think this whole idea of maintaining a general foundation is, is I think a really important one because it, it does allow you more flexibility to go after different goals when you're then able to, you know, I was actually just talking to a runner a couple of days ago who you know, wants to run a marathon in 12 weeks. But the problem is she has taken the previous 12 weeks off from running completely because of the pandemic. And I was interested in this. I was asking her, I was like, oh, like, what is the reason for that? And it it wasn't really for her mental health. It wasn't because she was physically unable to run. There was, it was almost like an excuse like, oh, well, there's a public health crisis. So I'm not going to go running anymore. And I just feel like that is such a misguided approach to your running because number one, you're kind of abandoning something that, you know, theoretically you should really enjoy doing. And, you know, when we're in a time period where we need to be prioritizing our mental health, then it's just really difficult to just totally abandon that. But then of course, the, the, problem that she's running into now is that she doesn't have that foundation. She can't go run a marathon in 12 weeks because, you know, a two mile run is very stressful for her right now. So I I definitely think this idea of a foundation is so critical and that, you know, I have this coaching rule where something is better than nothing. And if you can go run 20 minutes, three times a week, that is clearly better than not running at all. And you can transition from that and you can always build from that. Uh, and I think that idea of just building from where you currently are is really important because if where you are is three months of no running, then you're digging yourself out of a deep hole. And if we can prevent you from getting in a hole and actually put you on a little bit of a pedestal with some extra fitness and competence with doing some longer runs, some faster running, then you are just so much more likely to succeed when you actually set about to do so. So uh, I'll get off my soapbox about having that little foundation. Anya, I wanted to ask you a kind of a prov- provocative question here. And that's because, you know, you were talking about running a 50 mile race unsupported and, and you've done a bunch of marathons and, you know, you've run a lot of races. You like training for races. Now there are no races and you're kind of just running 20, 25 minutes, three times a week. Have you ever thought recently that you're not a real runner? And my follow-up to that is, what the hell makes someone a real runner anyway? I think about it all the time. I do. I I often feel like I'm not a real runner. After the um, marathon that I did on my own, I took, I think, a month, maybe a few months off 
uh, of running completely. I didn't run at all. I don't think I even missed it. I just, you know, all, all of a sudden I rerouted my life to focusing on something else in those time slots that were previously allocated for running. So I definitely was questioning, you know, am I a real runner or am I just kind of chasing this goal and then I quit right away? Um, but I I find myself coming back to it every single time for a decade now. Um, I do miss it, but I feel comfortable taking long periods of time off. And that's when I wonder uh, <laughs> what makes a real runner. But it's definitely not running faster or longer than anybody. So a race should have absolutely nothing to do with it. You can be a runner without ever having done a race. Of course, that's how uh, most of the world's runners run. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I struggle with that a little bit um, more so when I've taken that long time off. So I'm curious what you would say or suggest to people like me who feel like they're not real runners because they, they've taken time off or because they are kind of dabbling in it once or twice a week without any real goals. That's a great question. And I've admittedly struggled with this question because I really have what I think is a black and white, simple approach to this, which is if you run, you're a runner. You know, that it's, it's as simple as that. And um, I actually asked uh, um, earlier yesterday on Twitter, do you ever feel like you're not a real runner? What does that mean to you? And uh, some of the some of the replies were really interesting. Some of the replies were frankly, a little disheartening. Uh, you know, there was someone told me that was, uh, you know, if, if you're not going under 16 minutes in the 5k, then you're not a real runner. Well, my PR in the 5k is 1602. Am I not a real runner? Like, I, I am someone who has run 10 miles in under 55 minutes. I have run 529 a mile for 10 miles. Am I really not a real runner? Are we really judging running by your speed? Because is it 16 minutes for 5K or 1630? Or why not 18 minutes or 1845 or 1523 or 2128? It is just completely arbitrary. And there was a woman who replied to this tweet thread and she said, I've read these comments and I find some to be disheartening. If you lace up your running shoes and you step out the door and you put one foot in front of the other in a slightly faster pace than a walk, then you are a runner, fast or slow. That's it. And I love that. I, I, I just think that's absolutely true. If you run, you're a runner. And it was just very interesting to hear some of these some of these, uh, some of these folks say things like, uh, for example, one guy said, I run and race a lot, but I consider myself a quote person who runs not a real runner. I don't think guys who play in competitive basketball leagues say I'm a basketball player. I don't think I could say aloud. I'm a runner without laughing. That is just insane to me. Someone who runs, someone who runs races, which by definition, means that you are participating in the sport of running. That means you are a runner. It is just insane that anybody who, who, who would have these identity problems because of their speed or what distance they were capable of covering, it, it is just nonsensical to me. 
if you run your runner. Maybe this is a very overly simplistic view, but I'm kind of sticking with it. I really appreciate that perspective. I think I was smiling the entire time, nodding my head, thinking, yep, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I am I absolutely am a runner, even if I take a break. I think what really helps me to understand is kind of the goal or the purpose of what I'm doing. If I'm not running for two months, maybe it is mental health. And that doesn't mean I've quit and abandoned everything. That doesn't mean that identity is taken away from me. It just means that I'm taking a break and it's okay. And if I am running slow with my dog, well, then I'm the runner who runs their dog in the morning. And that's perfectly fine too. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you for sharing that. Anya, let me ask you a question. If 10 years from now, you go on a two-week vacation with your husband, will you think while you're on that two-week vacation, and let's just say your kids, kid or kids <laughs> is hanging out with uh, grandparents or a family friend or something like that, just because you're not parenting over those two weeks, are you not a parent? <laughs> yeah, like you're laughing. It's ridiculous. Of course you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's funny to me because I used to, I figure skated competitively for uh, 10 years um, until I was maybe 17 or 18. And I still consider myself a figure skater. I still have my skates. I can still do a few jumps and spins. I'm definitely a figure skater. Same thing with skiing. You know, every year we take a six, seven month break from it and we get back on and we're still skiers. So yeah, parents forever and always (laughs) that will remain. So you are right. Uh, It turns out that I am a runner. (laughs) There we go. Solving that for me. I love it. Yeah, this whole idea of are you a runner or are you someone who runs is just exactly the same. If you are someone who runs, then you are a runner. Even if you're only running once a week, even if you're only running for fifteen or twenty minutes. Even if you're not running very fast, runners are those who run. Full stop, end of story. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Okay, Anya, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. I'm getting really amped up about who is a runner and who's not a runner. Anyone who runs is a runner. Um, I want to end with, you know, this, this, let me first say, this has been such an interesting conversation about kind of running in the real world as a recreational runner, dealing with the many challenges that we all have to deal with, with our jobs and our other obligations and our families. And, you know, all that ties into our identity as runners. And and I'm just curious if you could wave a magic wand and you could make something happen in your running that always give you the confidence to say, yes, I'm a real runner. What would that be? That's a great question. Um, I I think understanding my why behind it would always give me that confidence. Like I said, even if I'm not going for a run, but I know exactly why that is, I wouldn't question it at all. Um, so that doesn't even take a magic wand. Um, but being clear on my goal would be really helpful and maybe taking some of my journaling morning time to uh, clarify that for myself would be really great. Um, I think another thing 
that I would love to always have is a little community of runners. Um, I know you have that with strength running. Um, and I, I find that if I can meet with people in person, once we're back to doing that, it would really help because you get out of the mental space of everything else of uh, parenting and work and the day-to-day logistics. And you're probably mostly talking about the fun stuff that runners love. And um, that's something I need to kind of figure out for myself or commit to for myself and find that community and um, turn to them and always know that this is kind of an identity I've chosen and I'm proactively choosing to be a part of. I love that. I love how you talked about it being a proactive decision because, you know, too often I think we just let things happen to us. We are reactive. And if you're proactive, you actually go after the thing that you want. And if you want to be a runner, all that really takes is you to start running. And then, you know, if you want to engage with a running community and, you know, it's obviously a little bit more difficult right now with the fact that you can attend the local running club group run. Um, you can't run a race. There's so many things that we can't do right now. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't more broadly engage with the running community and, and almost in this way, build that foundation so that when we can, we can really hit the ground running, pardon the running pun, <laughs> hit the ground running with, you know, being more uh, enmeshed in that more uh, broader running community. So yeah, I think those are all just fantastic ways of of reaffirming that identity and and really essentially chasing after something that you love. Yeah, Jason, I really appreciate all the ideas and perspectives that you throw out there. I think a lot of runners and new runners, I have two friends who ran their first marathons this year and are struggling with the same thing. I think a lot of people will appreciate uh, what you shared. So thank you um, for that conversation. I know I gained a lot from the pep talk as well. <laughs> well, thanks, Anya. I appreciate that. And uh, thanks again for making some time to come on the podcast. It's always great to hear new perspectives about running, to hear about how other runners fit it into their crazy schedules, and uh, to hear about some of the things that you've been doing. So I hope you do another crazy, unsupported ultra marathon and, and other big adventures in your running. Uh, and I hope to maybe, hopefully, have a little part in helping you do that. Thank you. Definitely. I'm honored to be a part of the strength running community and to get to work with you. It's been a lot of fun and you've supported me in more ways than you know in my running career. So I appreciate all that. And I'll definitely let you know when I have my sights set on the next adventure. Maybe we'll go a full hundred miles this time. (laughs) Might as well. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Let's just bite off more than we can chew again. Exactly. It always works out well. (laughs) All right, Anya. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's the end of our show today, runners. I hope you found this helpful as you plan out your running for the next few months. Don't forget to drop Anya a line, say hi, and thank her for coming on the podcast. And another big thanks to Path Projects for supporting this show. Right now, I have another shipment from Path on the way. I couldn't resist their gear. I needed more. In fact, just last night, I met a client for a drink, and I found myself proudly wearing Path shorts. 
Now, the 5-inch pair, not the 3-inch. I do have some self-decency. So if you are in the market for new shorts, base liners, or running shirts, I highly recommend them. You've probably noticed that I'm wearing a lot of their gear in my latest YouTube videos. It's that good that I wear their stuff whenever it's clean. And now that we've partnered for a few months, I can confidently say that their gear is incredibly durable. The shorts that I wear probably two or three times a week look amazing with absolutely no visible signs of wear. That's because they use a special Japanese fiber called Tore Prime Flex. It's strong, it's light, and it's very durable. Plus, because they're online only and they don't have any retailer markup, their stuff is affordable. I can't say enough good things about this company, so I hope you'll see what they're all about at pathprojects.com. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. Until next time.